Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. And we will jump right into it. We have a lineup full of callers today, and we're going to start in Texas. And I welcome Kathy from Austin. Kathy, welcome to the show. Hi, Molly. So glad to be with you. So great for you to call in, my friend. Um, I'm looking forward to what's on your mind. Yes. So I recently found your content a few months ago, and it has, when I see your face on LinkedIn and I see your great videos, I stop my scroll and I say, oh, what's Molly going to teach me today? And I've noticed a theme of meta skills in a lot of your content, and I would like to dive really deep on meta skills. Can you give me uh, some resources or some ideas or perhaps a primer on what meta skills are and how to manage them? Ah, I love it. My favorite topic of all time. Appreciate you calling in and asking about this. So, and thank you for your support. And I'm thrilled that you uh, found the content and it's useful, Kathy. So, uh, makes me very mm-hmm. joyful. Okay, so this notion of meta skills, a skill that helps any other skill, you can think of that in one word as your vibe or your energy. And mm-hmm. the thing is that whether you're a leader, uh, whether you're a summer intern, as you're moving through space, there's a certain energy or vibe that you send off. And right now for listeners, you may be exhausted or listeners may be like, wow, really curious. You may be angry. Um, and it's all valid. It's just that when we go into conversations, particularly ones that might be challenging, sometimes we're not as intentional with how we show up. So people are like, what? And I said, this is the deal. Lots of times you can create space um, without even saying a word, just by how you are. And that's the posture mm-hmm. and that's the eye contact. And it is a sense of what comes from one's heart. Now, people might say, oh, it's very mushy, you can't tell. And you can feel when you have respect. You can feel when someone's self-doubting. So the idea is to authentically, so I am not advocating people make it up, right? It's about authentically getting in good relationship with yourself to say, you know what, I need to be, and I'll just use an example, uh, a sense of of open-heartedness is going to help this conversation, right? And so you close your eyes and you think about, you know, what is it that helps me be that? And the reason to do that is so that you can help, whether it's a conversation or work to be done to go better. So when I think of Metaskill's short word is vibe or energy, you want a little bit longer definition. It's an intentional attitude or a stance with which something's done. Uh, as a metaphor, you can think of opening a door and to enter and starting an experience with a chosen emotion. So let me pause there. Do we, are we clear with uh, what it is, Kathy? Yes. And okay. I guess my question would be, if we're in self-management mode around our meta skills, like I, I work with a client who is showing up very frustrated at work very often. Is that authentic for her to choose frustration as her energy that she interacts with people? Or should, 
should I try to help her see differently? By the way, I'm a coach. Yes, well. thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. And this is a perfect example. So for folks out there, look at you could you are whatever you are. If you're angry, that's legit. You're angry. You're frustrated. And so I think with um, someone who's displaying emotion, we might think of as negative. And by the way, emotions serve us. So it's we're not making them bad or wrong. And it may be just a, a noticing or an observation. Let's call this person Cal. Cal, gosh, you seem really frustrated. Is that the case? By the way, we may be calling something that isn't what the person is experiencing. So give them space to say, well, no, 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 Kathy, I'm not frustrated. Oh, okay, thanks. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought that you were. That, you know, sometimes it can be as simple as a misunderstanding because we all move through space a little bit differently. And I think the opportunity is to help the other person just get in good relationship with themselves for what's going on. Yeah, I'm really frustrated. Next thing you could say is, say more. Right? Two really mm-hmm. short words that can open a door for someone. Well, la, 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 then. Ah, I mean, okay, how are you feeling? And just help them work through it. And, and then you might just observe, this is the deal. And you honor the person. I get the frustration. I'd be frustrated too. You know, it, it makes sense. I'm just wondering, you're heading into this next meeting. You're leading the meeting. So they're looking to you. And you can show up with frustration. That's absolutely your choice, Cal. I might offer that if you think about what you want to have happen for the group, there may be a different way to show up. What do you think? Mm-hmm. So again, you're not saying you can't show up frustration. That's not going to be helpful. You put it out there for the person to choose. And I think, I think sometimes people don't feel or don't realize how empowered they might be, one. Two, they may not be aware that unconsciously they're really hurting the whole. I mean, no one goes into a meeting saying, I want to really wreck it for my colleagues. I want to do a terrible job. No one, I mean, I don't know anybody who does that, right? So as someone who's on the outside with the privilege of perhaps seeing it differently, you have a chance to kind of offer that. So I'll pause there. How's that landing? Thank you. I, I think I wanted clarity. I needed clarity on understanding how to honor your authentic energy and what you're really feeling, but then trying to be a great collaborator and team uh, contributor by keeping the open-heartedness and the gratitude. And, and because I see you um, exude so much of those that really does in your content, Molly, that helps, helps us serve the whole rather than it like it's just about you. And so are about the person, right? Um, and, I wanted to know where the, there was tension there for me of, should we always be trying to shift our meta skills to something very upbeat, positive and open, or is it okay to be frustrated? But what you've teased out here for me brings clarity yeah. that it's yeah. your decision. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really appreciate you bringing up this notion of authenticity because I read an article that said, look at people don't want you to be authentic. You're in a horrible mood. You had a bad day. We don't want you to be authentically you. And I think there's a decision there, which is to say, okay, I have had not a great day. So I'm not pretending everything's unicorns and rainbow, but I do realize that wherever I am in my role, I use the word, it's showtime. So to the extent that you're here to serve the whole, you realize that it isn't about you and you're going to transcend perhaps some negative feelings so that you can be of greater service to the whole. And, and there's an intention there. So I think some people think, well, I'm not really happy. I'm not, I'm not saying pretend you're super, 
you know, like overjoyous. But try to just push through. We all have days where we're a little flat. That's okay. And you, you do your best. And I do think sometimes if we come into something and the, the transparency of, folks, I want you to know I'm fine. I just, there's some things I'm struggling with a little bit. I may be a little off today. That's all you need to share. You don't need to share the whole story or whatever, but that may give you permission to feel like, okay, I'm not like the 110% I would like to be. And it helps people appreciate something's going on. We don't need to know anymore. And that, that transparency can serve the whole. I just offer that as an option for people sometimes. And yes, there's a certain amount of trust that one would have developed with an organization, with your group, for, for someone to feel comfortable to say that. But I would encourage folks that that's what we really want. You know, and I think at any one time, um, lots of times I'll hear, oh my gosh, I had no idea that was going on for someone, right? Which is not necessarily someone's job to tell you, but I think it can be on all of our part when something doesn't seem quite right to assume positive intent and say, you know what, there's probably something I'm not aware about, not for me to figure out, but let me show compassion. Let me show maybe greater patience than I might have, considering that um, there may be th other things going on that I don't know about. And we all know in this corona world, right, lots of stuff is going on for people. So um, I offer that for folks. Thank um, you, Molly. I, That's what I call this for. <laughs> yeah, I'm so grateful for your time. And you know how to reach me. Do you have a particular top takeaway before we wrap? Um, well, my, I think that sometimes uh, as a coach, so, so it's not what you, you give me so many insights. It's hard to take away, but I wrote things down like say more, you know, asking more of it of an, as in an observation mode. You know, that's what you're so great at and what I'm learning from you. So honestly, I just need permission to let the person be authentic. And number two, of course, you taught me a couple of little quest opening questions. So thank love you. It. I, I love it. Love it. You know, <laughs> that, that's great. I just realized something that I should share, and I'm just going to give you seven meta skills. And for listeners, these are skills that are commonly used in teams. So let me just go through these for folks. So the notion of open heart and intimacy, right? That is one. The second is commitment. The third is respect. The fourth, in a big way, is this notion of curiosity and curiosity for gaining understanding. There's one called deep democracy, and I'll just define that briefly. It's hearing all voices, including the unpopular ones. So for people to be able to invite uh, an opposing view, to invite that um, you're in a different position perhaps than other people, right? That notion of hearing all the voices. Partnership and collaboration is one. And then the bonus one right now, which I think a lot of people don't appreciate the power of, is lightness or playfulness. So I'm not saying be a jokester, but sometimes adding a little, injecting a little lightness can be really helpful. And I'll, one example is I had a, a brother-in-law, we were out on the golf course, <laughs> Palm Springs, it was like 110 degrees. And he says, oh my God, where is my parka? <laughs> we just lost it. We were like, ha ha ha. So I just want to offer for leaders, sometimes you feel like you need to be super serious and being a little playful can be really helpful. So I'll close with that. You know how to reach me, my friend. I'm grateful for you for calling in and Kathy for being part of the solution. You take good care. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, such a breath of fresh air. Love it. Okay, we're going to go to Michigan now, and I'm thrilled to welcome Kevin to the show. Kevin, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, Molly. Thanks for inviting me, um, or thanks for being available. <laughs> um, I... Uh, 
Uh, I have a two-pronged question, actually, and um, one is uh, more on the practical side and one is more on the theoretical side. Um, I, uh, uh, I'm a financial advisor, so I'm into sales and customer service, and uh, um, this concerns going back to the office for a major organization. And um, uh, by way of background, I have been a uh, uh, an independent consultant for many years working out of my home. So working out of my home is really easy, and I enjoy it, and I'm disciplined enough to do it. Uh, but with COVID, um, we were required to distance ourselves and do this remote computing stuff. And so my question really is how to say it skillfully um, – uh, uh, keep on the radars, having a super positive attitude, uh, you know, uh, yet, uh, staying, getting as much time as possible at home because I enjoy doing it and I'm good at it, but I'm not sure if it's working for me in my best interest with a very large organization. So coming from an entrepreneurial environment, working at home, now all of a sudden I'm back to where I was. I, I know how to do it, but uh, you know, just to back up a little, my first year on this new job, I was um, showing up at work at 7.30 a.m. every morning with my boss and the office manager, just the three of us, just to show goodwill, you know, and my dedication. Um, and also to develop, you know, a rigorous uh, routine and uh, good work habits. Um, but So now, um, now that COVID's lifting, um, I'm hearing uh, our large organization is asking us for our preferences. Do you want to stay at home? Do you want to go back to work? Uh, they're putting, putting us no pressure on us, really. Um, a, a few employees have been allowed back, and every week a couple more are allowed back. Um, and then on a large regional conference call um, last week, our regional manager says, we're open for business. But now, see, Michigan's a hot spot with the, the, you know, the COVID again uh, surge. So uh, they're putting a little lid on who can go back. But my real question is, is, um, uh, is it my best interest? To, should I, should I, uh, uh, should I uh, offer to my boss? Uh, I, I drew up a list of pros and cons. Should I have him include uh, him in the discussion, the branch manager, whether I should come back and throw my hat in the ring, start showing up at 7.30 in the morning again, uh, or just do it part-time? Uh, and um, uh, so anyway, what factors would guide me in staying at home and whether it's in my best interest and how do I say it skillfully? <laughs> I love that you brought this up. I really thank you for it, Kevin, because I've heard a lot of people talking about this. And there's a little bit of a wink-wink, like, oh, they want to know what we really think. Do they really want to know what we really think? So I really appreciate where people are on this. So at first, yeah. I would start with you, which is to say, for you personally, what would you like to have happen? Um, well, I would ideally, if you're asking me the question, yeah. ideally, I would like to continue to just wake up and make a cup of coffee and be at work. Uh, because actually in our business, we're encouraged to just use the office for the phone presentations and research. And we're, you know, the successful people in my business, we're out in front of customers. So for me, I can do everything right here. And we've got great uh, remote computing 
you know, like resources, you know, with security and everything else. And they even have given us budgets. I have a, a whiteboard in my living room, you know, so I'm pretty – I would love to just be able to, you know, look out the the, the beautiful uh, balcony and, uh, you know, make phone calls and then go and see customers and stuff. But on the other hand, the the pros of being in the office is that you have um, collegial interaction, and um, uh, you know, it uh, it's it's for me, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, you don't want to develop these psychological isolation factors. You know, yeah. so, you know, thirsting to be out of the, out of your home. Right. So what's best for me? I think what's best for me is half and half. You know, okay, go so in this... when you need to go in and, but really like, I don't want to make it entirely a, 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 a numbers game. Like, you know, if I bring it up with the, with the people that uh, I'd rather stay at home and because I'm more productive, then they're going, they're going to want to see you're more productive and they don't see how productive you are when you're face to face with your colleagues. You know, and what what influence you are. That's right. So I'm going to just keep it simple. So it's like, what do you want to have happen? You would like to stay home more of the time. And then there's some amount of collegial interaction that makes sense. That's awesome, right? We don't have to solve for it. And then I just say, okay, we're, what, what would the boss, what would the organization want? Which is not to say that you know exactly, Kevin, but to think about, huh, how might they think about it? And so yeah. put yourself in your boss's shoes. You're in your boss's shoes. And again, I'm not saying that you predict, but this, just, this is an exercise in just considering what it might be like for them so that it helps you prepare for a conversation. So you're in your boss's shoes. What do you think is going on for him or her? Well, he, that's, that's a good uh, input there. He's probably, all he wants to do is see how, um, <laughs> how much business I bring in, you know, like how productive I am. So if I'm in the, at the North Pole, then he's fine with that as long as I'm bringing in my numbers. Okay. You know, but he's a, he's a, well, actually, it's a wonderful person. And so I'm very, the, there is collegiality in the office. So they're considerate for human um, comfort. That's fantastic. So now if you're the organization, you're the head of the firm, you're the, you know, at the highest level, what are some of the interests there? What are some of the interests of yeah. the organization relative to me? To, you know, to the whole, for the whole, for in terms of people working remotely working together. Oh, uh, well, they want, a, they want a collegial environment. It's all mm-hmm. about um, you know, uh, uh, sophisticated collegiality. So they they want a, uh, a s- s- synchronized synchronized environment. They don't want any controversy among people. And uh, I've encountered very little controversy. So they like a well-oiled machine that is happy to be coming at work and is very productive. So that's what yeah. they're looking for. But uh, this is an organization that my region has got six states. You know, there are lots and thousands of people that are doing what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, when you say what the organization, it could be on the micro level, my, my branch, my complex, which is six, which is two states in my region, which is like seven states, and then nationally. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the kind of micro level of uh, just trying to figure out how to, how to um, make sure that I stay uh, in good graces because it is a, um, a relatively new position after many, many years of doing my own thing. And yeah. so um, it's, it's kind of a culture 
clash being me being entrepreneurial in in an organization that is used to uh you know they're very considerate of the widgets that they hire but I am a widget. Okay, listen, I got it and that's awesome. I think at the highest level, we might just say that they're interested in a culture where their people work work well together and and want to be there, right? I mean, I just, just to make that a yep. very loose thing. And so part of this is the relational part of it. Sure. We can create relationships remotely, and um, there's an element of getting together with people that can really help that. So, you know, it's not A or B, but there's some mix. But I think when you take the lenses of me, my boss, and the bigger picture, it just helps people think about it more broadly so that when you go into a conversation with your boss, which is really the point here, and let's just say it's, you know, Max, hey, Max, gosh, you show appreciation for the fact that you've just being, being, having a job, being able to work and be productive has been awesome. And this is so great that by asking, I'm getting the sense that the organization really feels like we can create ways of working that are going to help both the individual and the organization to thrive, right? So that's just kind of an opening that I think helps honor, you know, everything that, of course, the bosses have done, you know, to make this possible um, and a sense of positive can do. Right. And then you might say, I thought uh-huh. about this and I have, you know, I, I, you know because I'm this or that, I, I did the pros and cons. Before I go there, it'd be helpful for me to understand what your perspective is on working remotely, not working, you know, what, what, what would you like to accomplish for the team? And so I think bosses aren't always used to people asking them, actually, what do you want? What do you need? And I just think that shows a level of caring and interest. And, Kevin, it gives you information for where the boss is. Right. right. So, That's and you're not helpful. just like, trying yeah. to solve it, right? That's the way. And then, because lots of times you're going in there and all you're thinking about is, I'm going to say that these are the pros. I'm going to say that these are the cut. And it gets very, I can, people get very into what's going to happen for them, which I understand. So it takes a level of grounding so that you're prepared to say, hey, what's going on for Max? And say, hey, Max, I hear you. I really appreciate that. It may or may not change a little bit of how you present what you share and say, here's, here's what I thought about. And let me just, before I go into detail, just say at the outset, my str- strong preference would be X. One sentence, don't overcomplicate it. Be really clear, make it easy for them to say, okay, I see where Kevin's coming from and why. And then that may be enough. They may like, and then if not, you may go through some detail, but don't, don't move beyond the close, as, as you would know in sales, and see where they're at. They just may be getting a pulse. And, you know, I think that lots of times ask for what you need and then show empathy that I can appreciate if you want us to come in for the time. I'm totally open to do what is going to support the team because I want to be a team player. Yep. Yep. So I'll pause there. I How's think- that landing? That's landing beautifully, actually, because I, I agree that you want to. Um, I think Paramount in his mind is what benefits the organization. Even though he's, you know, he's very, he's the best boss I've ever had. He's really good, and these people are all about um, diversity in the workplace, and you know, like human compassion and all that stuff, collegiality. So he's concerned about his people under him, but the reality is, is he's still he himself is only a widget. <laughs> so, you know, uh, talking about how it benefits the corp- or the organization, I think is excellent advice. 
Awesome. You know, That's from great. the perspective so, of the organization. Yeah. And, and I, you know, this is the deal. If the organization doesn't thrive, we don't have jobs. <laughs> okay. So, you yeah. know, people, I don't really care. I'm like, I think we do care about how the organization does because we all, you know, it's, it's much nicer to work in environments that are thriving and growing, right? Because that creates headroom for all of us who are involved with it. So, you know, I think it's, even though you may not influence it, Kevin, I'm not pretending that you think you have some outsized influence. The ability for someone deep in an organization to show an interest about the organization says a lot. Says a lot. Yep. Uh, my friend, you said you had a th- you had a practical and theoretical side. Do you have a theoretical? Well, if you have like time, to- Molly, I, your wisdom here would be useful. But it's a kind of a loaded question. Um, and it's, and this, it's about politics, but, you know, saying it skillfully. Is it worth saying it skillfully to retain old friendships? In other words, uh, um, this is a really tricky time uh, with being politically divided, everybody, and I just cannot understand it. I really can't help some of my most intelligent friends uh, believe and have seem to have um, modified what I thought were shared values. And um, so uh, if we say that saying it skillfully is all about what you think needs to be said, and you're talking about dear friendships from decades, friendships, um, uh, how do you make the decision to prune or retain the friends with dramatically different political views? You know, is it... it, is it worth trying to convince smart people they made a mistake? Am I, in fact, looking through my rose-colored glasses? Is, it, um, um, is sharing values more important for long-term friendships than mutual interests? I mean, for, you know, like, uh, uh, is it more important to go out and enjoy golfing together or to believe in diversity? You know? Yeah. So this yeah. is what I'm at a quandary. I'm really upset with how I'm going to communicate in the future after this cold water in the face that our nation's had over the, over the last four years, in my view. But is it, how do you preserve these friendships? Are they worth preserving? Are values more important than, uh, yeah. than common interests? But that's kind of a loaded question that could take a, a book to write on. But if you have any thoughts of wisdom, then throw them my way. I'd appreciate it. I uh, I appreciate you for bringing up it's a it's a topic that's uh, around for a lot of people and um, and there's no easy answers but I'll just share some thoughts for consideration and yep. you know everyone has their sense of reality and their beliefs they think they're right that's kind of how we get there and um, I think that sometimes the we can think of it as, well, I'm, I'm holding to my values and I need to be true to my values. And if I inter- interact with people who I perceive are not with my values, that's against it. So I need to dump them, right? I mean, there's a storyline going on there about, and I would say that I understand that. That can be a very self-oriented position. And I think in the world, we're only going to get better when we have greater proximity, meaning we're closer to people. So putting people off on a box, they're over there, those people who don't get it, right? And that's certainly valid. And I think it creates ease because it can be very painful um, to, to be with folks who really, you know, you're just like, how can you do that? And they, they just, they see it very differently. So I would encourage the agree to disagree and say, hey, 
I respect you as a human being. You may believe that they don't respect other people as human being. That, that, that may or may not be true, but that's not the point. And just saying, I, mm-hmm. but I'd love for us to be able to spend time together. And we've been together for 20, 20 years, 30 years. So how about when we go golfing, let's just keep it off the topics that we know kind of create some edge for us and enjoy each other for the times that we're out on the, on the grass. And just get people to align on that or not. Do we think that we can do that? And stay proximate. And stay proximate. And yeah, then there I may be a slight uh, opening. I think it's uh, in a certain respect, the friendship has got to take on a new uh, level of, um, of, of rebalancing. You know, because um, you, I can't help um, thinking, even when we're out golfing, what this person really believes. You know, so it's because uh, I have a conscience and I assume everybody has a conscience. And I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong, but um, uh, on all counts, but on certain counts, uh, you know, it seems uh, logical. And uh, uh, anyway, it's it's kind of a frustration that I have, but I, I, I don't want to lose old friendships. But on the other hand, and I'm not sure it's my position to proselytize about what I think is correct. You know, so I, I don't this, like this is that are this, proselytizing yeah. their religions to me. That's you know? so very good. That's very good self-awareness, Kevin, right? So that whole notion of, okay, so that's understanding what we can do, um, meeting people where they are, seeking first to understand. And if you can even, ha- so let's just say you golf for a month or two and it never comes up, but then someone brings something up. And you might just ask, oh, say a little more. You're not, and mm-hmm. you're not there to refute. You're not there to agree. You're not there to disagree. But <coughs> listening is a, is a means to create trust. Listening without I judging. like that. I like okay. that. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, it may take a little longer than one would like. And then, then it might be months later. You know, I'm wondering if I were that person, how do you think that might, they might feel? And mm-hmm. then another three months later, gosh, has something like that ever happened to you? And, you know, again, we're not saying it's not your job to convince someone, but you may create an environment where someone has an epiphany and says, you know what, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I would just encourage folks around the world to have compassion to show some space. I mean, I read this article is really interested. Well, I only have open-minded friends. So if you only have quote unquote open-minded friends, are you really open-minded? So, so <laughs> I, I just offer that as, you know, I think it's a time where we have to dig in and I really do, really do believe we are all part of the problem and we are all part of the solution and we want to be aware um, of when we're in either camp and then doing what we can and when I say problem and solution, I don't mean that as good people or bad people, right? And so um, I think if folks can, can honor the fact that sometimes we may think we're doing the right thing and it may not be, be doing what we think and to be open to that fact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Kevin, I'm so excited that you called in and yep. I'm, um, I'm looking forward to staying engaged. Before we wrap, do you have one particular top takeaway from our chat? Well, I just like the... Um uh, I like both the dimensions that you that you discussed with me, but I like the uh, uh, view it from the uh, the eyes of the organization when I deal with my returning to work issue. You know that's uh, that's a good insight. So uh, because I know what makes my boss tick, 
and the organization makes everybody tick. So thank you for that advice, and you do not disappoint, Molly. <laughs> well, I, you've just made my day. I really appreciate it. Keep me posted. Let me know how it goes, and if I can be of more help, I'm grateful for you calling in, Kevin, and thank you for being part of the solution. Okay, I'll be in touch. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ah, so fantastic. Uh, before my next caller, I do want to remind folks I have SayItSkillfully.com, my website, 50 short videos to help give you some examples of how you can be who you are and say what needs to be said. You can also sign up on my mailing list and have a chance for a one-on-one -on -one with me, which would be super fun. And okay, now I'm jazzed. We're heading to Alabama and Ed. Ed, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you, Molly. Thanks for taking my call. It's my pleasure. So, what uh, challenging conversations on your mind? Uh, well, um, just a little background. I lead safety, security, and emergency management programs for a multi-state retail operation. And obviously, in this day and age, in light of all the recent uh, active assailant and workplace violence tragedies that we've been seeing, you know, a primary concern of mine um, is always the workplace and, and the safety of the workplace, uh, but a very uncomfortable subject to sometimes discuss. So my question would be, what you think would be the best way to breach such an uncomfortable subject with the management of each of our locations? Oof, okay, this is a big one and very near and dear to me um, because this, you know, the safety of our folks, it's... Uh, Leaders wish that they could snap their fingers and make it so, but it really relies on every single individual, right? And if you see something, say something sort of notion. Um, I could imagine that um, at an organizational level that the leaders themselves aren't necessarily as comfortable or as skillful, and that really trends kind of moves through an organization. So I would want to help in particular the um, if you will, the management folks with their finding their voice and then kind of trickling it down. I think sometimes um, folks might assume managers are more, more comfortable than not, which I can tell that you're not doing, but I just want to offer that for folks um, to not assume that when we say do blah, 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 that everyone is really clear on how they might say that. So I, I'm a big fan of just laying out a situation in a non emotional kind of way, it can, you know, it can be tempting, oh, this is going on and it's horrible. And, and I get that those are real feelings, but in the situation, you're here to run a business and you want to keep it super safe. Um, so just a, a recap of a situation to help people appreciate how you're seeing it. You know, so these are things that are happening. Um, one of the things that we value most here is having a very secure, safe environment for all of our employees, you know, well-being both physically and emotionally. Boom. So people see that, you're articulating it. Um, and then when you think about what you want them to do, you know, if you think about like what's the, a, an action, share with me what you would like the next step to be, Ed. Um, well, basically after we are able to have those initial conversations with location management. You know, the the goal is to make sure that all the way down to every employee that there's an awareness, um, that they understand 
how to respond not only to an issue that were to happen, but how to respond to any type of warning sign or report um, so that that can get channeled into the, you know, into the view of management. So, you know, the ultimate goal is for my team to be able to be brought in because we have the expertise to handle the scenario and, and to kind of match the threat or the incident with a response. But if we're not brought into it early enough, you know, we, we could miss something. So ultimately the goal is how do we get our teams comfortable with that conversation all the way down to each employee? Perfect. Okay. So here we go. You slayed the top level. This is what we would love to have happen. Safe, safe place for all. And meeting with a group of folks saying, the reason I'm having this meeting is this is potentially not a comfortable conversation. And you can just do a quick poll. Who's on a scale of one to 10, how comfortable are we having this conversation? 10 is like, ah, no problem. Five is maybe 50%. And give people a chance just to shout out numbers and see where people are. So I think what you want to create space for is so some of those folks who may be at a two or a one saying, hey, so we have a full range here, which is great. I really love. So you're in just doing that, you're creating the you're modeling the fact that they're sharing something that they may not be comfortable with. And then just help them with, okay, part of this um, opportunity is getting our folks really trusting and comfortable. And so we need to model that. So the leaders see that we're part of this modeling. Okay. And see, and then get people to share. Here's what, what might be uncomfortable about it. Like they're like, well, I'm being, I'm ratting out someone. And just say, this is the deal. We have some folks who may have emotional issues, um, who things are going on for them, and we want to be able to help them. If you help leaders realize that by going into this, they're helping people versus what they may be thinking, which is I'm, I'm being disloyal or, I'm, or I'm, 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 I might not know, so I don't, wanna, I don't wanna risk going there and label someone. Those are all very valid concerns. So bubble up the concerns and just start to understand that. And, and let them and normalize that and say, okay, I, I hear all these reasons. At the same time, we want to help our folks know that if they see something, we want them to say something. And, and once you get the folks, the leadership people just saying, hey, the, the whole goal here is awareness. If you see something, it's aware. And hear and give them some examples. You know, I'm noticing Susie over in, um, in shipping just seems a little bit not her happy self. Um, and, and you want someone to come to the manager and just mention that, not in a negative or a blaming way, but just in the way of wanting support. So maybe you create a few examples because you obviously have seen these come in. Just give them a few role plays that say, okay, this is what someone could say. And literally work it through. And then my experience has been people can nod their head all day. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know how to do it. I'd go through the role play. Okay, let's just role play it a little bit. You have someone that's noticing that. How would you say it? And just give them a little skill building. It doesn't take a long time, but it creates a little bit of, uh, it creates confidence when you've actually said it. And then when someone comes forth, use it as case study. Just, hey, quick quick heads up team, over in this, this uh, operation, so-and-so, such, such, and such. You can, you know, you don't have to share the names. Just say, hey, I just want to really thank people. This was so great. And this gives us a chance to be proactive. So just pause a little bit. I've said a lot. It's, it's a very unique situation by situation. Um, but how is that landing for you? Um, well, definitely some good takeaways in there. So I think that, the, you know, my experience is folks want help. Uh, so if you can, you know, I, I think your point about offering to help people 
is much more accepted than your point about I'm trying to get someone in trouble or, or ratting somebody out. So definitely think that that is um, extremely beneficial um, to give them a positive. And that's, you know, again, this is, in my experience, a very negative subject. So if there's any ability there to turn it positive, like what I think you just did, that that's very valuable. Awesome. I appreciate that. The meta skill, the energy of compassion, right, is having an open heart in the presence of really tough times can be a great thing. And I can feel in your voice, you have a great authority, and I can tell. Like you're, And so I think this might be a chance to say, this, you know, a lot of stuff is going on, and I want us to be very human about this, and I want to be very human with you about this. And I just think that show of humanity from you to them, and then saying, I'm here to help in any way that I can. And, you know, sometimes I can see command and control. We have to have things roll. These, these workplace security things can be very, you know, programmatic, very process-oriented. And just weaving in that human element you know, for folks who have done things that we would perceive as terrible against other people, have compassion that they're not well. Okay, they weren't well. If they were well, they wouldn't have done it. And so we want to create an environment where we can support people who need support. Um, and I think that just shows a wonderfully rich culture of where you're at. And so I would say that your organization is very, very fortunate for you. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's this is a big the, the role that you're in is a, a in some ways a little bit thankless because we want things to be you know safe and fine and uh, I know that it only happens when people like you are are uh, way up to the task. So um, you know how to reach me and if I can be of more help, you let me know. And uh, I appreciate your taking time out of your busy day and and calling in. Thanks for being part of the solution, Ed. Thank you so much. Take good care. Okay, we're heading to my uh, stomping ground here in New York City, and we have Kathy on the line. Kathy, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, Molly. Thank you. Um, great show today. I always enjoy tuning into your show every week, so thank you. My pleasure, and I appreciate hearing from you today. What's on your mind? Well, I would like to ask you a Say It Skillfully question related to unconscious bias. So here is a succinct overview. Um, I attended a board meeting last week. The topic of the meeting was DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the meeting was conducted in the format of a presentation given by a university professor. During the presentation, I observed or perceived um, unconscious bias surface in a comment from the professor. I'll be meeting with this professor next week and I want to share what I observed. So my question to you is, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about how I can approach this professor um, to share what I perceived as bias. Awesome. I can't wait to hear it. What, did, what happened? Uh, okay, so the context really quickly, it was about football. And um, the professor was talking about um, uh, an assistant coach from the Jacksonville Jaguars who was fired for discrimination against black athletes. And he said, the professor's comment was, most of the guys on the call and maybe some of the girls know who the head coach is, Urban Meyer. Well, I happen to know who Urban Meyer is, and I'm a girl. And so I perceived that as bias against uh, women, not knowing about football. Hmm. Yep. And how did it make you feel? 
I was insulted. Uh, and I'm curious if how many other women were on the call, Kathy? Quite a few. Did that come up in the chat message at all? It did not, and I thought that was interesting. And then, truthfully, okay, so um, do you think that uh, the professor would have wanted to insult any women? Absolutely not, um, especially, you know, the irony that he was giving a presentation on DE and I was not lost on me. I don't think he even thought of it as being biased. I'm sure he would not, um, I'm, I'm sure he was very innocent in thinking he was innocent in what he said. Great, great. Okay, and then this is fabulous. I love this scenario, and I love that you're going to yeah. have this conversation with him. So we'll start with you. In, com- in, the, in going for the conversation, uh, how do you feel about it? Good. My first thought is to approach it from a standpoint of curiosity because I don't feel it was malicious intent. Um, I just don't think he realized how it came across. So my initial thought was I wanted to ask him, um, you know, I'm curious um, about his comment about uh, Chris Doyle and Urban Meyer. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely valid. That's absolutely a valid way to go. And I will just throw something out for as an option for you. And I think because you're so I can help here. You're like, he wasn't trying to you know, annoy anybody. This is just like a habit that came out of nowhere. He probably had no idea that he even said it that way, right? So I think of right. this as a great opportunity to use the meta skill of lightness and a bit of playfulness um, because, you know, this is not a death and destruction sort of thing. They weren't trying to do anything bad. So it might be, Professor, so great to meet with you. And I, you know, I was grateful for the, the session last week. You know, thank you. So you're honoring the individual and say, you know, I have something I observed and you're kind of cheeky and you're smiling. I don't know that it was what you intended um, in working with the class. It's kind of hilarious, actually. Is it okay if I share with you? Could I share it with you? You know, with a spirit that if I were you, I'd want to know. So it's a little cheeky, but it's light. And you say, yeah, 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 Kathy, share. Okay, so do you remember the situation duh, 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 and, and review and review it and set it up and say, do you remember what you said next? Since it was very clear for you what he said next. He may not remember. And he said, you know what, so let me share. Here's what I heard you say. Now, right off the bat, you give the professor a chance. They may catch it like, oh, my God, did I really say that? Yeah, you really said that. And then he may say, he may look at you like, and? <laughs> so that's information for you. <laughs> So right, he may just really right. be like, and like, he would say it again. Okay, so, so so heads up. I understand that there was nothing that you were, you know, no malicious sort of intent. I will just share how it landed for me, Professor, and that is, in the moment, I was so insulted. <laughs> and you say nothing else. Boom. Oh, and you let the person go. Oh my God, I would never want to insult you. You right. And again, you're saying I'm not. I don't think negatively. I know you weren't intending it. And, I, you know, and, and maybe I'm overreacting. So you give yourself a chance. You know, maybe I shouldn't overreact, right? However, regardless, I wouldn't want folks to think less of you 
because of something like that. And I think in your very high profile position, it might be nice if you use more inclusive language. So again, you're showing what your wish is. You're not saying you have to. You're saying this is what I would love to see. And it would make me feel, I want to see X, it makes me feel Y. So let me pause with that. How's that landing? Yeah, I love it. Um, so thank you for the guidance to, first of all, use and rather than but. You know, it was great to meet with you and I'm grateful for the session. And um, approaching it from this, you know, question, you know, hey, great presentation. Um, you know, would you mind if I shared my observation with you? And I love the part about bringing him back to the slide with Chris Doyle and Urban Meyer. And when you introduce that slide, you remember what you said next. And then just sharing, so this is what I heard and this is how it landed for me. And, and keeping that wink, wink playfulness. Um, so I can certainly do that, and um, I appreciate this guidance. It's very helpful. It's awesome. Um, do you have a particular top takeaway that you would extract from all this? Yeah, I think the top takeaway is sharing how I feel. You know, as you said, how it landed for me, not accusing him of anything, um, but just sharing, hey, this is how I felt. Um, I always like to say reality is perception in the workplace, and this is the reality of how I perceived his comments. And so that's very safe because I'm not threatening him or saying you. I'm just saying this is about me. Yeah, this is this is really powerful for folks, and I think once we do that, you know, you can you can own it. And I just want to offer, as we have uh, conversations like this, you know, and, and I'm confident this will go really well, never forgetting at the very end, the icing on the cake, which is to say, Professor, I am so appreciative that we could have this open conversation and we're both better for it. Thank you. And I know that's, uh, I know you would do that, but I'm just saying that for our listeners. It's, uh, it's an icing on the cake. And every time we do that, it really helps us to um, normalize the fact that we can bring up the different points of view, that we can work with it. Um, and, and really that's, to me, that's the most important part. It's not ne necessarily, you know, uh, particular, we knit nat, you did this, you didn't do that. It's just saying, hey, we can start to talk about it. And with every conversation, we're better for it. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I love that um, piece to conclude on. You know, thank you for engaging in this conversation. I, you yeah. know, I appreciate your willingness. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan and uh, you'll keep me posted. You know how to reach me. And I uh, thank you, Kathy, for joining me today and being part of the solution. You take good care. Thank you, Molly. You too. Ciao. Okay, I have a quick minute here and I have a, a, a fun scenario that was brought up to me that I want to go through. So imagine a 17-year-old teenagers doing deliveries, uh, learning economics on a job. Tips are a big deal when you're getting deliveries. And I heard about this. Oh, my gosh. This customer was complaining, complaining at the bill. And the food was maybe $55, but because of all the actual service fees added on that were not going to the young teen driver, the bill was, you know, 70, high $70. So it was a lot of money. And 
he he i could see his he wanted to say to this look lady i'm driving in the rain drop this stupid thing off i'm getting five dollars an hour you're complaining with me like what am i gonna i can't do anything about that okay so that's what he would have liked he didn't say this but he would have liked to so for all parents out there i just want to offer that it's never too early to help our young ones find their voices and make it a bit of a game to practice so might offer saying hey you know you don't really have anything to lose you're not seeing this lady again um, but it could be a great opportunity for you to be more proactive. And it might be, it might be as simple as this. Oh, ma'am, gosh, I am so sorry that you're unhappy. I actually can't do anything about that, although I wish I could, period, right? And again, I'm not saying anyone has to do this, but these micro moments to uh, help our youth so we don't have to help them when they're a little bit older, uh, I would encourage you to um, take advantage. Okay, we're going to wrap. My thought for the week and it's from Jorge Capistani, who is a uh, tennis professional. There's no failure. There's only feedback. And that's a wrap. My thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify my callers' voices. Reflect on your top takeaways. And know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.